0: Hey, this is John Amos, and uh, they say it ain't easy being green. Are you ready? Can't win. The New York Jets. can we'll beat in, in the world, and I think we're going to win
1: next summer. Dream. The New York Jets. I think Jet fans. Jet fans. fans. Jeff fans. Bird. Bird. very passionate. <laughs> Thank you, all you fans. They got their guys. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I, I, I think Jeff
0: fans. Very passionate.
1: Brady, Brady sucks. Don't, don't, don't be Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast, broadcasting to you live from beautiful, amazing, picturesque Crystal Lake Studios in Putnam Valley, New York. My name is Keith Farrell. I am joined, as always, by my colleague and co-host, the number one Jet fan in the state of Texas, none other than Michael Lagaris. everyone. What's up, everybody? Two draft shows here back-to-back. We got nine new players added to the team. I don't know if there's a player added to the team with more anticipation surrounding him than one Denzel Mims. It's why this week we have Kendall Cow with us. He is the chief editor for the Baylor site for SB Nation. He knows Baylor through and through. Someone that could really give us some inside information, give the fans some inside information, aside from just the beat writers. So welcome to the show, Kendall. Thank you very much.
0: Hey, thanks, fellas. Good to be on with you, Keith and Mike.
1: Yeah, really appreciated, dude. And Candle down in Baylor, down in Texas and Waco. I don't know how much people looked into it or paid attention to it. I know college football is a little different up here in the northeast than it is in Texas, where it's basically like a religion. So we're gonna get into his college career and the production. We're gonna ask Kendall why he thinks Mims might have slid to 59th, or maybe he thinks that's where he should have went. I want to know what type of kid he is. We're going to go through all that stuff. But what I first want to ask you, Kendall, is just the environment, the football environment. First year he got there in 2016, was that not the year after they let go of Bryles and everything kind of went south?
0: Yeah, you're correct there, Keith. So what happens for Mims is that he gets to Baylor over that um, winter session into the spring. Art Bryles is still the head coach at Baylor. He's recruited Denzel Mims there. And then in May of 2016, before he started his first um, season, Art Briles gets fired because a law firm that's asked to investigate what goes on at Baylor finds out that they haven't handled sexual assault properly. They haven't fight, uh, followed some of the Title IX procedures that had been set up um, by the Obama administration. And so as a result, Art Briles, the head coach there, who has taken Baylor from Baylor's football history is basically it was very good up until about 1996. And then from 1996 till 2008, it was about the worst you could ever be on the field. Art Bryles comes in, wins back-to-back Big 12 championships. And so things are going well, but they start recruiting some guys where it's like, hey, why wasn't this guy at Penn State? Why wasn't this guy at Boise State? What's going on with these guys? (laughs) Not adding up, right? Right. And so it was one of those kind of deals where, depending on, and that's kind of the difficult thing with even evaluating the scandal years later is, The Pepper Hamilton report, which is the Philadelphia law firm that investigates it, releases a 15-page findings of facts. They don't go into great detail on what exactly happened. But it was bad enough that the Board of Regents at Baylor voted 24-6 to to fire a head coach at Baylor, where, as you mentioned, Keith, football is kind of everything. And they've won back-to-back Big 12 titles. Baylor's pretty clearly, if not resource-wise, at least in terms of prestige, I think, surpassed Texas in the eyes of college football. And they still fire the guy. That's how bad it had gotten. And so Mims has the option. To transfer, because the NCAA and Baylor just say you can transfer, you don't have to sit out a season, oh, or you wow. can stay here. Yep. And so he elects to stay at Baylor. And the first season is about as weird as it can get, because Art Bryles gets fired as head coach, but they keep every assistant coach they have, because the fear is if you let go of those guys, who's going to coach the team? Yep. And have kind of that continuity of operations. And so his offensive coordinator that first year is Art Bryles' son, Kendall Briles. Mm-hmm. And so the first season, if you kind of look at, well, why didn't this guy have much of a first season? The 2016 season is the weirdest season of football of all time. If they made a 30 for 30 about the scandal, they could also just do this season. Because <laughs> Baylor starts 6-0, and oh, and one of the assistant coaches then tweets 6-6 six after six because they get a bowl bonus. Yeah. And then Baylor finishes the season 0-6. Oh and <laughs> and they're wow. just the craziest wow. rumors you will ever hear wow. about were people not coaching... Were people not even calling plays at the press box? Um, It was the weirdest season of all time, but for Denzel Mims to kind of stick around, not freak out too much from that, and then develop into what he developed. And there were a whole bunch of guys in that class that did that. Some other guys got drafted. It really is kind of monumental that those guys stuck around, said, you know what, we committed to the school. We're going to get it turned around, and sure enough, they did.
1: That, see, that's why, that's why I wanted to, I didn't know any of those things, the details when it comes to Mims and the decision he made. I'm happy you spoke to that because, and that's kind of what I want Jet fans to hear, because for, for some guys, they don't go through adversity or have to make these type of decisions in college. Usually when they're a professional, those hard choices come, he's been able to perform under those type of circumstances, and I know his, his second year, his sophomore year, saw that he had, he had over a thousand yards, I think about a thousand eighty yards, he had about sixty-one catches. The next closest receiver to him that year? had about 400 yards. So his sophomore year, he burst onto the scene.
0: Yeah, he definitely did. And the sophomore season, Baylor was a just disastrous team that year. They like go 1-11. They opened the campaign with a loss to Liberty. And I, I, you know, I don't want to get too political about it, but uh, you really should not be losing to Liberty if you're Baylor. Like I think Liberty's entire M.O. is like they would like to become the more conservative version of Baylor. And it's like, well, that might be your dream, but that had not become reality then and sure. hopefully won't in the future. Um, and so they start the year with a loss to them. Baylor shuffles through three quarterbacks that season. First year of the new offense, they go 1-11. And, and so for him to put up numbers like that, I think kind of signified how good he was. And he just kind of took off from there, from that kind of Liberty game. The only real positive takeaway was... I don't know who the heck this Denzel Mims guy is, but he's really performing well. So you,
2: Kendall, I know you're writing about Baylor now. You're alumni, correct? You used to go to the school? That's correct. So during 2017, when this was Mims' uh, sophomore season, you were covering the team at this time, correct? That's correct. Yeah, I graduated
0: in 2013, but I was covering the team uh, then as well.
2: Okay, so that first game against Liberty, he gets two receptions, 85 yards, and a t. You know, you guys, I know you ended up taking the L. Second year, second game, he played Texas, San Antonio, had three receptions, 62 yards. Duke, third game, two receptions, 67 yards. So, I'm sure I saw some talent there. Fourth game, Oklahoma, 11 receptions, 192 yards, three touchdowns denzel mims and, and it was that the day that he bursted on the scene tell me tell me what you thought about that performance
0: yeah so mike i was actually in a wedding that night and so i'm like right we've started zero and three we've lost to liberty and Tech- university of texas at san antonio UTSA, we lost to UTSA, and so oklahoma comes in with baker mayfield um and you're just like baylor's gonna get walloped like that's the Oklahoma team that just won at Ohio State. You're like, there is no chance in the world Baylor's going to win this game. And they, they don't, but they get up by 10 points in the third quarter. And Denzel Mims is just catching everything. I'm, you know, in this wedding, I'm getting fireball. I got people texting me <laughs> videos. And I'm like, oh my God, this catch, what's going on? Or is Baylor going to do this? And they're like, who's this drunk man at this Kansas City wedding? <laughs> Shouting, you know, OU sucks. But it was, it was one heck of a time. And I was, that was, but that certainly Mike was the moment where it was like, okay, you know, you can do it against Liberty. You can do it against UTSA. But if you can do it against an Oklahoma team that makes the playoff, we really got something here. Absolutely. Yes.
1: And one, yes. one of the things when I was reading up on Mims, people in the know, when I read any and anyone like like you, Kendall, that actually has followed, watched his games religiously, knows knows him in and out. One of the attributes they pointed to as a positive, and, and maybe you could speak on this, and maybe he even showed this back then when he was when he was maybe only nineteen or twenty years old, is that when. Baylor played in the biggest games. You can even look back to last year when they played Oklahoma last year had a couple touchdowns, had a big game, and the Sugar Bowl actually played pretty decent. Seems like he shows up in the big
0: game. He certainly does. He had a game-winning touchdown last season against Oklahoma State during homecoming where he kind of just makes a phenomenal catch. Against K-State in a win last year, he has a sideline catch where he bobbles the ball and gets a foot down in an acrobatic way that's just unbelievable. Against TCU this season, Baylor has fourth and six in overtime, So if they don't convert, game is over because they're trying to respond to a TCU score. And the play they call is just we're going to throw a slant to Mims over the middle, give him a chance. They gave him a chance and Baylor won.
2: So Matt Rule. So after after that performance against Oklahoma, did Matt Rule, he wasn't there at the time yet. Right. Rule came after. He came in.
1: He came in in December of the did he did he start coaching that year or did he just get hired and come in the next season?
0: So he came in in December of 2016, and he coaches okay. the 2017 and 2018-2019 okay. okay, okay.
2: seasons. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so did Rule, after that performance, start curbing the, the offense and centering centering it around Mims specifically? So I'm pretty much asking, in that sophomore campaign, the, the year that Mims put himself on the map— did he just do that organically or did, was the offense already like driven through him as the primary weapon?
0: He was the primary offensive target. The Baylor offense shifted so much that uh, 2017 season is sophomore year because they had three quarterbacks that played in and out. One guy got a concussion. Another guy kind of had the job and lost the job and they started a true freshman who is still going to be Baylor's quarterback next season in Charlie Brewer, but Charlie Brewer, yeah. yeah, his arm strength isn't still the greatest arm strength in the world and is a true freshman who Baylor was his only Power 5 offer. Denzel Mims, if you got him as an option, that's kind of the fail-safe you pull. And so he was kind of Baylor's focal point the rest of that year. When you segue into the next year, and this is kind of what people want to know, or, or maybe even one of
1: the reasons he slid, I don't know. Um, when you go into his junior year, he had a little bit of a dip, at least when it comes to the yardage production. The, the receptions were about the same, 55 catches, 61 the year before, 66 last year. But the yardage was down, still had the touchdowns, eight touchdowns, which is tremendous. But now... I read, and this could be completely wrong, did he have an injury? Did he play the whole season with a broken hand? Or I just misread that?
0: So that report came out around the time of the draft. If that Was true That was not something That was known by folks That covered Baylor at the time Okay 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 That might be some gamesmanship then Before the Uh draft
1: What do you think One year to the next Do you think there was Any reason for the dip I know they had a little bit Of a better record The next year I know That also Jalen Hurd Who now plays on the Niners Had a big year that year He's a good receiver Do you think that Had anything to do with it
0: Yeah Keith So I think the Jalen Hurd Thing kind of explains About 95% of it Jalen Hurd was Tennessee's leading rusher For three seasons Has to sit out a year At Baylor Plays wide receiver Then for the Bears Is kind of the main Offensive threat And so they get a little bit more balanced receiving core where you can throw to more guys. And then Jalen Hurd becomes a second-round draft pick of the 49ers. And so if you don't have to be the exclusive guy, I think that kind of explains it. So I didn't really feel like his junior year was he's kind of missing production or he didn't improve much. It was just... You got more weapons. You don't have to go to the shotgun okay. every time.
2: And and then and when you look at his stats, I mean, he had one game in 2018 where he had 11, another 11 reception game, 114 yards in the tee. But if you look at his rest of his games, you know, he has three receptions for 80 yards, uh, five receptions for 65 yards, six receptions for 95 yards, you know. It's still he may not have been getting a lot of receptions, but it still looks like he was still getting the yardage. One, Only one game, really, against Oklahoma State. He had one catch for six yards and a touchdown, and that was for a touchdown. So it looks like, even though maybe his reception share went down, he still looked like he was quality when he got the ball.
0: Yeah, definitely. I don't think there was anybody that kind of watched a lot of Baylor that thought, oh my God, what's happened to Mims from one season to the next? And Good. Baylor football, like all teams, has certainly had those guys who are like, yeah, they figured out what this mystery was. But with yeah. him, he still had it going on.
2: You Now, the, the whole uh, talk about the drops. So I know those first two seasons, he had a couple of drops and um, there was some talk about some concern regarding that. But then Keith educated me during our draft show about his drop rate in his senior season 2019 last year and he actually had a lower drop rate than both um judy um, or lamb or judy
1: yeah yeah that's one of the things i didn't know if that was a myth or not because there's an article by Gary Phillips that was in the USA Today. Um, this is one of the things I wanted to ask you about, too, where it said it's kind of misleading. And that it could have been one of the reasons he dropped. It makes sense. But it might be a misleading stat. Senior year, only had five drops the whole season. So do you think that's something that Jets fans should be concerned about or have to worry about? Or do you think he's already worked that out?
0: I think it's both kind of a two-fold thing. If you tell me in 10 years Denzel Mims didn't quite work out, I think the most likely thing outside of injury would be that you know there is something there with the drop rate and that does become his problem but I also think it's definitively true in my mind that the drop thing is way overhyped so it's both true that if you told me why does this guy fail well it's cuz the drop rate just became too big of an issue much like if you looked at the NBA you had mm-hmm. somebody that shot threes pretty well and you said well he just couldn't quite shoot threes as well in the NBA we feel pretty confident he's a good three-point shooter for him I feel pretty confident he'll catch the ball because as you mentioned Bay- look and I love Charlie Brewer he's a great guy he's a good quarterback but in much the same way that I'm going to the bar uh, I know I'm not the hottest guy at the bar when I'm trying to, you know, pick somebody up whenever coronavirus ends. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's kind of the same thing for Baylor. It's like, uh, Tua Tagovailoa and Jalen Hurts are a lot better quarterbacks than Charlie Brewer, and to have a better drop rate than receivers at Oklahoma or receivers at Alabama when your quarterback's not as good, good and the rest of your wideouts are certainly not as good as the other wideouts at Alabama, probably tells you that, you know, Denzel Mims, I don't know why he dropped to, 50, to you know, in the 50s for the NFL draft, but Uh, I thought he was going to end up being a first-round pick after how well he ran at the Combine.
1: Yeah, and that's something I wanted to get into. And I want to ask you, me and Mike both want to ask you a few different questions about maybe why he got selected, where he got selected. But that's something that sometimes people don't, Put into perspective when they look at a college football player is you know especially if you're a receiver how reliant you are on that quarterback. And when I looked up Charlie Brewer when I was going through his stats when I was going doing a deep dive on the Baylor football team, he's rushed the ball about 345 times the last three years. That's that's a lot of rushes. Tua at Alabama only rushed the ball 105 times. Baylor's offense, in so far as what I could tell, was the type of offense they didn't you know Mims wasn't running the most intricate routes in the world. Which then if you're not running if that's how your team is based you're doing one cut, like you said, over the middle, bam, you're going to nail him. That's easy for defenses, good defenses, to try and figure out, especially if your quarterback isn't one of the top, top, top blue chippers. It looked like his completion percentage was pretty decent, but when it came to the Beller offense, that's a team that it seems like the last few years finished with a lot more running plays than they did passing.
0: They ended up running a lot because Trailer Brewer's mobile, and so the RPOs helped him, and the offensive line okay. was just not very good. So, I think this route tree thing, and it's good you mentioned it because that is kind of the big knock on him. So it's a topic that certainly needs to be addressed. Hmm. Uh, I just think this thing's kind of total nonsense because uh, Matt Rule has a good point where he's like, you know, when we recruit guys, and when I put on film, I never think, oh my god, I'm so terrified that this guy's going to beat us on underneath routes. It's he's going to run a go route, and can we keep up with him downfield? Good point. And that's what good point, man. T- if you run a four three eight and you kill him um three cone drill. I think that the Jets staff can tell you, hey, Denzel, cut here, cut here. Sure. yeah, yeah, no, You got a college degree. And so I just think that's one of those deals (laughs) where it's like every kind of draft process you're like, you know, does this matter quite as much where, you know, they get the offensive lineman and they'll set the bench record and it's like, okay, well, this guy's wingspan is like 6'2". How's he going to block anybody? He's not going to block anybody. His arms are too short. It's kind of the same deal where it's like, if you're fast and you're smart and you produced, I don't really care that you didn't run you know as many crazy routes as they might sure. have run at Oklahoma and even then it's like I don't know that's I think CeeDee Lamb is a better pick I'm not gonna say Mims is better than CeeDee Lamb but I thought he probably should have been the number two pick wide receiver wise in the draft I was just
2: about to ask you that question so Keith can attest to my knowledge and my love of Denzel Mims so Denzel Mims right after the combine I uh, came on our show and I said one of my favorite favorite prospects is Denzel Mims. And it was because of the metrics you were talking about, the speed score, size and speed, his his jump, his three cone. I mean, hit, where his metrics lie with all the greatest receivers is at the very, very top. I mean, he measures along with guys like uh, Mike Evans and, and DeAndre Hopkins and, and AJ Green. Um, so when I looked at him, and I saw his production in school, his 2019 season, you know, he rattled off three consecutive hundred yard games with th- three touchdowns in that first game against or second game against Texas San Antonio. He, you know, I looked at the production and then the metrics and I said, this guy has all the tools to be successful at the next level. And so you know going in yet yeah, cd lamb is he a better receiver yeah i could definitely say that he's probably a better prospect just based off of you know what the production looked like from cd lamb but cd lamb was also had a better quarterback and cd lamb was in a high-flying offense unlike the way the baylor bearcats were that he has been drafted by the new york jets um i know you were we were just discussing about quarterback play what do you think how well First, I'll say, what are your thoughts about Sam Darnold being what he did at USC? I'm sure you saw a little, you know, took a little tidbits on what he was able to do at USC. And then being that he was the most under duress quarterback in the NFL last season, being sacked and pressured more than any other quarterback in the lead or top in the league, you know, how he was able to still progress from year one to year two. And now that we've adjusted the offensive line, his potential now with a guy like Denzel Nims.
0: So I certainly think the great thing about having a guy like Denzel Mims, as you mentioned, is that it probably tells you how good Sam Darnold really is because you won't have the process to say, hey, I don't have the targets I need. I don't have anywhere near the expertise you all do about Darnold. I still worry a little bit more that is Darnold's ceiling closer to being quarterback number nine or 10 in the NFL. Than mm-hmm. it is to him ever being a Deshaun Watson or a Patrick Mahomes level talent. Sure. Mm-hmm. And you can certainly win a Super Bowl. I mean, Joe Flacco's got a Super Bowl ring. Garbage. Peyton Manning was absolute trash when he won a Super Bowl. Trash. In, uh, Denver. Yeah, and Denver. I think guys, some- Those
1: guys wish they were ninth and tenth in the league the year they won. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that was yeah, like God's exactly.
1: grace and a good defense. So I'll take ninth. When you're a Jeff, and this is perspective, like you were talking about the bar before. Say I have a friend, he's been going out to the bar 30 years. All he does is bring home threes and fours. And one night he goes home, this kid brings home the 7. That night he feels like a champion. And ninth or 10th for Jet fans? We'll take that in a second. We'll
0: take I su- it. I feel you all there. It's like I'm a Chiefs fan. I live in Kansas City now. Um, so it's like I, Alex Smith was a good guy. You could win a lot of games with Alex sure. Smith. But if you can get Patrick Mahomes, I'm telling you, you got to leave Alex Smith.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Alex Smith, you get left at the door and Patrick Mahomes, you lay pa- Alex Smith on the floor and let Patrick Mahomes step on his body as he enters your house. That's <laughs> what you're
2: doing. Congratulations on your Super Bowl win, by the way.
0: Thank you. Yeah, pretty pretty lucky that the – you know didn't get too bad nationwide until after the Super Bowl
2: do you think that Sam Darnold will if he is able to reach the level that we believe he's able to reach do you think that Denzel Mims and Sam Darnold could have a very productive future together growing
0: absolutely I think Denzel Mims kind of has everything well put together uh he was never a guy you heard he's out you know getting in trouble he's out doing anything stupid um I was at the Sugar Bowl I certainly was out I would like to think not doing anything stupid, but I I know I was out. I was out and about. You'd see some guys out. You didn't see Denzel Mims out before the bowl game acting crazy or anything stupid. And you never heard anything like that about him. And so you never know how somebody's life is going to change when they suddenly become a millionaire. But he has all of the kind of tools you look at and kind of the intelligence you want for a guy that you don't really feel like is going to change that much. And I still think it's kind of good for him that, you know, if... I'm me, and I'm suddenly drafted in the second round, and I'm living in New York, and I'm a millionaire, I'm going to think I've made it in life, but I think Denzel Mims going to look at this and say, I should have been a first round pick, they're still doubting me, I think he's still going to have that chip on his shoulder, and so I think the best is yet to come.
1: Yeah, he seems like, his personality seems like such a down-to-earth, just chill guy. And, it seemed, and in New York, I mean, the athletes that have come here and had the most success in this city have been those type of people. The guys that are laid back, let it roll off their back, they get a loss, not a big deal. The Joe NamUs, the Eli Mannings. You can go through all the different sports that we have. The people that have his, at least it seems like he just, all his interviews, he he seems very chill, doesn't seem to get rattled. I saw one interview where he scored a touchdown and he was talking about how hard it was not to celebrate. I mean, someone who's actively trying not to celebrate is someone who has a lot of composure. And and that that goes a long way. And when when it comes to... One thing you mentioned before, Kendall and the route tree. That's I, one of the reasons I mentioned that is because there's so many. Like no one asked, no one cared that Randy Moss couldn't run a button hook, right? He, he's Randy Moss. So I want to read this to you guys. I read this today. There's 11 receivers that went before Mims in the draft. 11 guys, and you know the names: Rugs, Judy, Lamb, Rieger, Ayuk, Pittman, all all these different guys. Had the 11 guys in front of him. Now, Mike, you were talking about the physical scores, you know, and his physical right. ability. Right, 11 right. dudes taken before him. One guy had a faster 40 time. That was Rugs, right? Three guys out of the eleven are either his height or a little bit taller. Out of the eleven, right? Three guys: Claypool, Rieger, and Chenault. Only three guys had more reps in the bench press, and only three guys had a higher vertical. So none of... So if you're just averaging everyone. If you take all the different metrics, and this is just physical play. Now, we were just speaking about all the production he's had. Now, you want to take a look at the actual physical specimen we're bringing here to New York. None of those guys in the top 11, at least when you spread out the categories, ranked as high in as many of them. And I I want to get your your opinion on this. Why do you think all the things we mentioned now and all the success he had, the things he's overcame, and his physical skills, why do you think it was that he got all the way down
0: to 59th? I really think it was probably that these guys I you you never know for sure my guess is that a lot of people once they looked at the draft and didn't get a chance to have pro days and everything else thought what were our boards like when we entered the season and a guy like Jalen Rager um from TCU who's slower than Denzel Mims who had worse stats than Denzel Mims who I don't know if he's smarter than Denzel Mims but I gotta have somebody budget for me I'm taking Denzel Mims there too Sure. How he gets drafted before him, I think, is that it's just like, well, we believe that Jalen Rager was better than him before the season. And to me, it's like, that's not good enough because after the draft, about every mock draft had Mims in the first round. yeah, And then he slips yep. and I'm like, yeah, I can tell you. You're right, dude. If, if these investigators have something on Denzel Mims, they found something that, you know, the Baylor media and Baylor folks have not found out in years. And it wasn't hard to find out if somebody was a bad guy at Baylor um, after the scandal because they really didn't put up with a lot of nonsense after that. So. I, don't, I think it was almost an overthinking it thing where they thought, well, we didn't think that highly of him before the season. He wasn't going to yeah. get drafted in the first couple rounds. And what about route trees? So we shouldn't draft him. And it was kind of the yep. same thing where, like, I don't know. To me, it seemed like when you'd hear people talk about Zion in the NBA draft, and they'd be like, well, he doesn't really shoot. And does he have a position? And it's like, who cares? <laughs> he's 270 pounds and he can dunk. Doesn't yeah, matter. Sure. It's like, yeah, it no, doesn't matter with them. He's fast. He's smart he's good
2: yeah and uh when he you know denzel can you talk a little bit about um i know when he came out of high school he was a national top 300 recruit um from Dangerfield, texas high school he played safety and receiver stats are just crazy um can you talk a little bit about his background, like family, You know what his upbringing was, or or when he got to Baylor, how he was able to integrate with the culture and how he grew in the culture at Baylor, even though the, the uh, situation coming out of the scandal?
0: Right. So he was just a really, really talented receiver. The Art Briles receiver kind of MO for who he recruited was, be really fast and we will make you a good player from there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Baylor had Josh Gordon. They had uh, Kendall Wright, Terrence Williams, uh, Corey Coleman, who won the Belitnikoff Award for the nation's best receiver. That's and right. so That was kind of the framework, just get fast, dudes, and we will make it work from there. And in the case of Mims, he was certainly very, very fast. He was one of the kind of best 100-yard dash guys in the state. And then he was just unbelievable in terms of his skill set um, there. And he was 200-meter um, time in high school. I think he ran like a 21-3 or something in the 201 mm-hmm. state. So mm-hmm. he's been fast forever. That was kind of the M.O. And then he was a good guy, too. So it's like you're fast, you're good, you're smart. Uh, that's going to work. Yeah. yeah, that's usually a good combination for the pros,
1: Mike, I'd say, right?
0: Yeah. And he's <laughs> Is there
1: the any app. high schools in Texas that don't have someone that went to the NFL? Because I look it up and five <laughs> people went to the NFL from Dangerfield High. I'm like, are you kidding me? But I want to ask you, do you have Do you have a type of player that's in – and this might be a hard one. If you don't have an answer, it's okay because I'm putting you on the spot. But do you have an NFL player that if Denzel Mims reaches his full potential I'm saying do you have an NFL player you think that's kind of a comparison
0: that's a really good question um because whenever I do the comp things it's like once somebody becomes good enough and you look back you're like okay he's now the comp for this and it's harder than think about one but I think if I had to pick one I think AJ Green is probably his ceiling and that might seem kind of crazy but I think that's a really good comp when you mentioned it earlier and so to me that's probably his ceiling I think uh a much better Miles Austin when he was really rolling for the Cowboys too, is probably a decent projection for him too. Yeah, no,
2: he
1: was money for a few years too, Miles Austin, for sure.
2: Yeah, no, but AJ Green, it's funny you said that because if you look at their metrics, they're very, very similar in their speed score. So I could definitely see that. And A.J. Green was a phenomenal, phenomenal receiver. I know injuries kind of plagued him. Did Denzel have any major injury issues? Is he somebody who we need to be worried about who's injury prone? I mean, we were able to draft a tight end named Chris Herndon, did great his first year, second year hurt, missed almost a second year. We're hoping Jet fans, you know, Denzel comes in, plays right away.
0: I don't think he has any kind of injury prone issues, but it's a good question because he was a little banged up in the Oklahoma game, still went out there, caught a couple bombs from Charlie Brewer. There's that, you know, mention about was his hand broken? Yeah. I, again, kind of wonder if that's uh well, he didn't go to the doctor, but we sure think his hand was broken the way he was playing ping pong <laughs> yeah. kind of deal. Yeah, sure. But I think if he, I don't think there's anything that, at least to me, screams injury prone. Maybe that would explain it, that there's some medical stuff we didn't know about. But once again, it would be a, it didn't leak if he has problems.
2: And and one of the last questions I wanted to have for, ask you is... All of the years that you watched Denzel Mims on the field, you know how Steve Young said something once about how great Dion Sanders was. He said you would see Dion at one part of the field and you just like would look and say, there's no way Dion's going to be able to come over and intercept it. And he would throw the ball and Dion was so fast, <laughs> he would defy logic and be able to pick him off. And Steve Young is just like that to me is greatness when you can defy and change the game on your own abilities does denzel mims has he ever shown you such special rare talent that were to change the game or take over a game in such a way that um, because he's been gifted with these skills and, and his and his drive to be great, that he's able to take over a game and and
0: have that next-level ability? To, does he bring that to the New York Jets? He's a really talented wide receiver, and teams at the end of the season were kind of doubling up up a little bit more and just basically saying, somebody else has to beat us. Um, Charler Brewer got hurt in the Big 12 championship game, and so Baylor ended up having to play their third-string quarterback, um, who made a couple of really good plays, but... That was the moment the teams tried to take him away. And so the NFL, if he's not getting double teamed, and you've got a guy like him with the vertical he has, he can win games for you. And so Oklahoma State thought they could have one guy on him. They had a 10-point lead late, and then Baylor walked away with the victory. So he is a guy that if you just get the ball in his area, and he's got a chance to make a play on the ball with his speed and his strength, there's just a great chance he's going to come down with it. Kendall, where
1: where did you expect him to go in the draft? Where did you, in your head, go into the draft, realistically see him going?
0: A- end of the first round-ish, that range? I was thinking early second, and I thought that okay. was a little pessimistic just because a lot of these guys end up dropping later on. You don't want to be too upset, but I really sure. thought that it was pretty shocking when he went that late in the second round. Yeah, I couldn't believe it either. I I thought th- he was then- going- yeah,
1: I, I thought he was going to the Packers. I thought that was done. Yeah. I,
2: and then they said A.J. Dillon, and I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Mims made seem like he made so much sense for the pack just because he's the he played four years there at Baylor. and just seemed like a solid guy. That's kind of a no-brainer pick. It's almost like. That's one of the reasons teams passed on him. It just seemed too good to be true type deal. It looks like from everything that Kendall said, Jet fans, that we got ourselves a good player for next year and a real legit weapon for Sam. We're going to be throwing Crowder out there. He was a tremendous slot guy. We know what he can do. But I mean, slot guys are slot guys. I, I know this is one of the things. I know like like Rugs. he went so high in the draft, you know? But last year, when you look at the top receivers in the league yardage-wise, if you remove Chris Godwin, I mean, Chris Godwin's short, but just look, think of the size of these guys. Michael Thomas, Julio Jones... Devontae Parker, Keenan Allen, Galladay, Cooper, DJ Moore, Hopkins, Cup, Evans, Allen Robinson, every single one of those guys is six foot three or six foot four. So when people draft guys like Ruggs, who's 5'11", a buck 80, his speed is ridiculous. Maybe he will be just like Hill and the Chiefs. Probably not though, because there's not a lot of guys like that. And you you always hear every draft now, people be like, this is the next Tyreek Hill. This is the next Tyreek Hill. It's like, that dude's a once every 10 years guy. So right. all those things, like, that's why I just feel so much better about this pick now after we spoke to Kendall. Because I just didn't get it. You know what I mean, Kendall? Like, it just seemed like, play good, good guy, has the stats, killed the combine. So surprised he got there to 59, just like you said. So it really, used, you, Jet fans should be stoked, though. You're giving this pick two thumbs up for the Jet Nation?
0: Absolutely. And Baylor has other guys that were talented. James Lynch was the... Big 12 defensive player of the year. But I got why he slipped because, his again, his arms just aren't long enough to maybe be disruptive at the next level. And that's a real concern. But with Mims, I think you know, the NFL overthought it. I'm not a GM, uh, but I'm putting my money down that Mims is going to be a great pro. Nasty. Right. I like right. you were,
2: and if you were to guess next year around, what do you think yards and touchdowns, if you were to just
0: in the in ballpark range guess? I'll say he yeah, has 650 yards and seven touchdowns. All right. That's okay. decent. I mean,
1: that's basically, we just lost Robbie Anderson. They signed to the Panthers for a two-year, $20 million deal. That's basically what he was giving us every year, Mike.
0: I going to say, was a little, I'm a little conservative, obviously, with the um, coronavirus, yeah. wondering about training camp and kind of how rookies develop this year. But I think he will eventually become a 1,000-yard receiver in the NFL. Yeah, that's something to think about, too, man. This
1: is going to be a different year. Okay, We don't know what the summer is going to hold for us, so who knows how prepared players are going to be and then you know by an extension of that the rookies that need the most preparation that's something to think about too with the quarterbacks with Mims with everybody so Kendall if anyone does want to get at you see what you got going on down there with the website with SB with Baylor they want to reach you on social media any of those things where could they do that
0: uh so you could follow me on Twitter it's just my name spelled out so it's K-E-N-D-A-L-L-K-A-U-T I mainly tweet about eating fast food, fried chicken, and Baylor sports. <laughs>
1: nice, nice, nice. then nice. Michael, when it comes to the AEBG podcast, where can they find us?
2: Well, we're hosted on the Elite Sports Radio Network. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spreaker.com. Please follow us on Facebook at AEBG.JetsRadio, on Twitter at AEBG underscore myj podcast, and on Instagram at Jet.AEBG.
1: You heard the man on behalf of the biggest jet fan in the state of Texas, Michael Lagaris and our boy Kendall and Baylor Nation. Thank you for joining us, everybody. Get at you next week. Peace out.
0: Hey, this is John Amos, and uh, they say it ain't easy being green. Are you ready? Can't
1: the New York Jets can beat everybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jet fans. Jet fans, fans, fans. Brady very passionate. Bird,
0: <laughs> Brady Bird. Thank you, all you fans. They got their guys. Darnold
1: falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. Darnold! I think Jeff fans. Darnold! Very passionate.
2: Brady sucks! Brady sucks.